Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, welcome to the Dead Prank Club podcast, a community of like-minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the past they found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys. Reprogramming your mind. Um, I call it having a mindset shift that even though where we are right now, we can begin to see ourselves in a different position. Even though we're using our natural eyes and we look around and there's so many problems and we're in this grief pain and we know we want more, but we can't seem to get out of it. Um, Speaking affirmations is something that you can do to call forth the things that you really want. So saying things like, I am strong, I am courageous, I am a fighter, I am resilient. You know, even though you may not feel those things, as you say them in your subconscious mind, you are reprogramming yourself to begin to call forth those things that you want. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. This week, I have Kanisha Nichelle on the show. Kanisha came onto the podcast to tell her own grief story on how becoming an orphan at 24 and feeling as if no one understood her pain led to her attempted suicide. However, this was the catalyst for a huge and positive change in her life. In this episode, Kanisha takes us through her journey to working and living her purpose in life. She is now a life after grief speaker, working to help others who are grieving find purpose in their own lives, just as she did after losing her parents. I so hope that you guys are going to enjoy this week's episode. It's got so much kind of valuable information and just incredible insight from Kanisha. If you would like to donate towards the running of this podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes and signing up as a patron to donate a monthly amount. Anything from like $1 a month would literally be a huge help for me to keep the podcast running in the long term. Thank you so much and I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I hope you all have a lovely week. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Kanisha. Um, like I said before, I am super excited for this. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to my listeners? So um, where you're from, what you do, um, just so that they can get to know a little bit about you and your background. Sure, sure. Thank you again, Kat, for having me here on your show. Um, so my name is Kanisha Nichelle. It's Kanisha Nichelle Alexander, but I go by Kanisha Nichelle because that is my mother's middle name. And then I was blessed to have my own daughter and I gave her the middle name as well. So I coined myself as Kanisha Nichelle. Um, I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky in the United States, but I relocated and I now live in Miami, Florida. Um, yes, <laughs> but, but there's all a reason why. Um, so I first experienced, um, my first experience with death was my father at the age of 12. Uh, my father mm. was a police officer and just long story short, he was in a training and he passed out to the ground in the middle of training. And then that was on a Wednesday by Saturday, he had had a brain aneurysm, a stroke and was pronounced brain dead. And so at 12, I lost my father. Um, I am an only child. So I did Mm. go through this period um, by myself, essentially, you know, not any, I didn't have any siblings to kind of go through this with. And so after he had passed, um, I did, I was, well, my parents were divorced at the time. And so um, I was living with my father until he passed. And then I moved with my mom. And so I was with my mom. Wow. Yeah. That must have like been such a huge, like, 
just uprooted your life entirely at 12 years old. Yeah, it was because, you know, I was a daddy's girl and my father had remarried. But, um, you know, after he passed, you know, I obviously couldn't stay with my stepmother. So um, everything just kind of shifted in my whole world. So not only losing him, but my world, my house, my place of, you know, of rest, all of that changed wow. because of this loss. And so I did move with my mom and, you know, went through the rest of my life um, with her. Um, yeah. with, left for college. So I went to the University of Kentucky, which is about an hour away from Louisville. And... In 2004, my mother was first diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that kind of shook our world completely because, like mm-hmm. I said, I am an only child. So it was she and I and trying to go up and down the highway to take care of her and be in appointments. You know, it took it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure. Um, like I said, you know, full time student. So I was either not going to class or if I was going, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't mm. doing well at exams because my mind is on how is she? Um, I may have not come back to school. So I'm missing class. So my grades always um, they always failed the semesters that she, you know, had the cancer and you know, yeah. I mean, un- and understandably so. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, as I'm saying, like, she's my world. She's all I got. So, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to be there for her. Um, and so, eventually, her cancer, you know, went into remission. But for every three years, and I, I don't know what it was, but every fall semester, her cancer would return. And so it came back a second time, and we did the chemo and radiation, and you know, she went into remission. And then the third time. Um, it had metastasized. So it went from Mm. breast cancer and it traveled to her brain. And so she ended up having a brain tumor that then traveled down to her lungs. And so this was in 2007. And so at this point, the cancer had pretty much uh, taken over her whole body. And so um, in 2007, July of 2007, uh, my mother passed away from the breast cancer. And so at that moment is when I became an orphan. So I was 21 years old, um, hadn't done much in life, you know, hadn't had mm-hmm. any accomplishments other than graduating high school. Um, so I just felt like my world was just kind of crumbling around me. And yeah, yeah, I can completely resonate with that. Yeah, mean, the, I, the crazy part was, like I said, she passed away in July and then school started back in August. And so I had one month to adjust to you know, the quote unquote new normal, um, Mm. having to get all of her final affairs in order, sell our house, um, you know, because of financial hardships, you know, her car was repossessed. So I had to do a lot of, yeah. So I had to do a lot of the business stuff where I didn't even have a chance to grieve or start the grieving process, um, in preparation to go back to school. So, Did you have any any support at that point whatsoever? Any aunties, cousins, just anybody that could kind of I give did. you just any I would advice? be a liar. Yep, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't. Um, my paternal grandmother, my father's mother, you know, I coined her as my best friend, and so she was mm. there. But you know, she's older. Um, I have a aunt who once I said, once we got rid of the house and things, she said, you know, whenever you come home on the weekends, you know, you can come and live with me or you can come and Aww. stay with me. Um, and then I have a cousin who she and I are two years apart, but we are so very close, you know, so close that, you know, she even promised my mother that she would look after me and, and be her, be my big sister. And so she oh, is, lovely. yeah, so she's more like my sister, even though we're cousins. Um, mm. And so she's been a support from then, you know, all the way through. So I did have some some support, but the challenge was, you know, being 21 and going back to school and not having friends who quite understands because, you know, it's the highlight of your life. It's college, you yeah. know, you're going to be partying and have a good yeah. time. And, and here I am trying to navigate everything and put the pieces back together and just trying yeah. to survive I yeah. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Jeez. And, oh my gosh. And so I can say now, honestly, that. Um, I did too much and I did enter into into life way too soon. Um, yeah. So much so that in September, and then mind you, I lost my uncle the week before my mom. And then um, the first part of September, I lost my grandfather, who I was my really close to. Yeah. And so all of that loss together um, was overwhelming. And so it was Labor Day weekend and 
Um, I was a student athletic trainer with the women's basketball team. And I told my supervisor, I said, you know, I, I haven't been home in a week. Um, I'm sorry, I haven't been home since we've come back. And I just I just want to go home and see my family. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just need to, you know, get get a hug and have them to put their arms around. Yeah. And it's, it's being able to talk about that person as well. You kind of feel closer to the, the people that all you've of, lost. All of with that. <laughs> Definitely. All yeah. of that. And she told me no. She told me that, no, we need you here this weekend and you cannot go home. And so I literally picked up my keys and I began to take my key rings off and I handed my keys to her and I said, I quit. And that was the last day that I was a student athletic trainer. And at that moment, I drove home to Louisville. I went to Walgreens and um, it was a drugstore. I picked up a bottle of pills, of uh, sleeping pills and... We had a butt light at the house and I took the pills and I drank the alcohol and I said, I didn't want to wake up. I just don't want to live anymore. Do and, you think, do you think mm-hmm. at that point that it was like, what do you think your thought processes were with regards to, did you not want to live because you didn't want to live without your mom and without your dad? Or did you not want to live like with the pain or was it like a kind of collection of just everything that felt like it was going wrong in your life all at once? It was a collection of both, but I would say more so it was just the pain. Um, Mm. I just felt that this lady who was my supervisor just had no level of understanding of me telling you to to your face that I need to see my family because I don't have my parents anymore. And that was I mean, like, excuse my language, but what a freaking bitch. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's exactly what she yeah. was. Um, <laughs> she just didn't get it. And I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, I was trying to, you know, recreate or, or trying to go back to the same life, which, you know, is is not possible. But I was trying to. I was, I was doing my best to try to keep everything as normal as it was. And it wasn't working. And so I knew what I needed. And when I got told no, I was like, well, then bump this because what's the point of me trying if the people around me don't even understand? And so um, that's what I did. I I had a boyfriend at the time and I texted him and I said, I love you, but I can't do this. And I turned off my phone and I took the pills and I went to sleep and I was just hoping and pray I didn't wake up. So what happened then after that? So, um, of course, he was he was concerned. And after the fact, you know, obviously now I know what happened, but he called my sister and he was in a panic. He was like, I just got this message from Kanisha. I don't know what it means. You know, can you help me? So my my boyfriend at the time was not in the same city. We um, we went to two separate schools. So he was at his school and I had drove back to our hometown. So he wasn't there. My sister at the time was living in New York City, so she couldn't do anything. But because it was Labor Day weekend, we had family, which was in town, which was her parents. So her mom and her mom and stepdad were in town. So she called them and said, hey, you know, he just got this message from Kenesha. Can you please go and check on her? And so they ended up coming to the house. They bust in the house. They bust in the room because I had locked the door and they found me. And so. Wow, thank God. Yeah, they did. They did. So, of course, you know, Mm. call the EMS and things and ended up going to the hospital. Um, but then they, they asked me a very pivotal question, which I think is really important. They asked me, um, do you want to get better? And I said, yeah. yes. And so that in turn went from a regular medical hospital to a mental institution. And so wow. um, they put me in a mental institution for, you know, suicide watch. And so they put me in and I spent four days there but it now I can say this in the moment I didn't feel it, but I can say that it was truly a life altering experience because being there, being on lockdown, like it was crazy. Like they, they lock everything. It, oh my gosh. It was just a horrific experience. Um, the way they, you know, just lock everything and, you know, mm-hmm. but they, but you have a roommate. And so I had a roommate and I remember, you know, she and I were talking and she was telling me that she was there because, um, she had ran away. She had tried to commit suicide. She was being beat by her boyfriend and she was on drugs and all of these different things. And it gave me perspective. Um, you know, I was able to look at my life and say, okay, I know that what I'm going through right now is bad and I'm mm-hmm. hurting and I'm, I'm really upset, but this woman has it worse than I do. I'm not being beat. 
I'm not strung out on drugs, you know, other than trying to kill myself, but um, <laughs> I'm not strung out on drugs. I'm not being beat. You know, I do have a family that does care about me because I wouldn't be here if they didn't bring me here. So it gave me a perspective that even though life is bad, it could be worse. And that's mm-hmm. one of the pieces of advice that I give people that I know it's hurt. I know it's hurt, it hurts so bad. And I know it, it, it's, you know, you, you want the pain to go away. But we have to be thankful that, you know, we still have a house to live in. You have some some roof over your head. Even if you're living with somebody else or with family, you're not sleeping under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I was able to have a meal today. I wasn't on the street with a with a sign, you know, trying to get some money for food. And so I think that perspective shift, it helped me tremendously. And then it helped me to get back to my faith because I am a Christian and I'm a believer. And just all of that together and that experience um, helped me bring me back to my foundation for sure. I do find that like when you're kind of in the depths of grief, you need to find a reason to survive, like like some sort of future that you can look look towards and realize that it's not going to be this bad forever. Um, and you know, similarly to you after my mum died, I was very depressed and had a lot of suicidal thoughts because I could not picture living a happy life without my mum being in it. Like I honestly just could not see myself being happy ever again. Uh, Right. And, um, (laughs) like it just feels impossible. And that's actually one of the main reasons why this podcast was created was to show people that no matter how you are feeling at that very moment, there are so many people out there that have created beautiful lives for themselves and they found a purpose and they've done something amazing. And I think, you know, just hearing your story here, like to anybody that's kind of listens to something like this and realize that, you know, you can be that bad, you can be struggling that much, but you can create just like abundant life. Like mm-hmm. I just think it's the most amazing thing to hear. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I, I after that experience, you know, I knew I needed to do something else. And so um, I knew that even though I was I was at school, you know, was, was an hour away from our hometown, an hour was just still too far. And so I decided to transfer schools and I transferred to the University of Louisville, which is back home. And so doing that, you know, obviously put me right in right proximity of my family and my support. And so yeah. that was number one. I just realized that um, I, I needed, I, I had to have my support system. Like they could not be far away from me. You know, our drive was just too far. Yeah. And so I made that shift, but also, um, when I did transfer, um, I, I ended up changing my majors because they told me that it was going to take about three years for me to get out of school because of all of the classes that I have failed. You know, they said, you got got to make up all of these classes. You know, it's going to take you about three years or so to get out. And I said, I don't have three years. Uh, I I just don't, you know, I'm going to end up quitting school and I'm probably going to start doing stuff that's illegal. So what can I do to get me out of school faster? And they said, well, um, and I should have said, but I was studying um, exercise science and kinesiology to be a athletic trainer. Um, I love sports. And so that's what I was studying. They was like, so what, you know, would you consider changing your major to sports administration, which is the business side of sports? And I said, well, what, you know, how long would I get out of school for that? And they was like, oh, well, we can get you out in a year and a half. And then you'd be taking um, a semester of an internship. And I said, perfect, put me in. So essentially I could get out of school in a year. So I switched my major. And because of that internship, Um, you know, they want you to do some exponential learning. And so I decided that I didn't want to do my internship in Louisville. I wanted to see the world in some capacity. And so long, long story short, I ended up getting an internship with the Orange Bowl Committee, which is um, they put on the Orange Bowl football game for college uh, football. Okay. I ended up moving to Miami. And so that was my first experience coming down to Miami. I just packed up my truck and I said, I'm just going to go on faith. I've never done this before. Um, (laughs) but I know that I need a change of scenery and of all places on this green earth, you know, I would end up in the most sunniest place in the U S and so, (laughs) but that's what I needed. My soul needed that. My Mm. soul needed the vitamin D of the sunlight. My soul needed to be 
across the street from the beach. Like I made sure that the place that I stayed was 15 minutes from the beach so I could oh. go and, you know, have that peace. Cause that was the other thing. Yeah, that the sun happy. and the sea is so uh-huh. healing, I think, <laughs> like just massively. Absolutely. And so that was my first taste of it. And that right there was the start of my career in the sports industry. Um, Just taking that leap of faith would have never known, would have never had that opportunity if I didn't transfer. So, you know, in hindsight now, I know that I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't lose my mother. And it's, you know, not easy to say because you never want to say that. But I do know that I, I literally and I'll fast forward my whole career, but I just finished working with the Super Bowl that was here wow, in Miami. you go. That's so sick. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that's the happy stuff. That's that's the thing that I've been able to do with, with yeah. my life in spite of this loss. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I just executed the Super Bowl, which was 10 years to me moving to Miami. So everything just kind of came full circle for me. And so all of that just came about because of this situation. Not pleasant. You know, I wish I could change it. I wish I could close my eyes and bring them back. But in spite of it all, this is what I've been able to do. Just um, taking it back a minute, like, what would you say to, like, other people right now who have, like, have done something similar to what you did and just kind of, like, try to jump straight back into their normal life? And, you know, for some people that works and that's fine. But what would you say to people now that are feeling kind of really overwhelmed? Um, Kind of any just any kind of, I don't know, actionable advice you could give them? Yeah, Um, I would definitely say that you have to know where you are and don't try to suppress it. And so what I mean is, is when you start to feel overwhelmed or, you know, you feel like you're being pulled in several different directions, you have to know that and you have to know when to stop and to set boundaries. Um, So like you said, like you just said, a lot of people think that going and going and going actually helps, but all you're doing is delaying the process. And so not that you want to rush it because it is very sensitive and very gentle. um, But I do believe the sooner that you start the process, the sooner that you can start to move through. And so for me, you know, just going back to school, trying to, trying to recreate the exact same life as if this didn't happen is really what I was doing. Like Alex said, I was a full-time student, a student athletic trainer for the basketball team. I was working part-time at the bookstore. I was a new sorority member, you know, still trying to maintain a social life, still trying to do everything as if, you know, 30 days prior, I didn't put my mother in the ground. And Mm -hmm. so you can't do that. You know, you need to pace yourself. You've got to set boundaries and it's okay to say no. You know, you can't, people can't assume that you want to do everything. Um, And it's okay for you to say, you know what, this is not the good space for me right now. I need to take a step back. No, I'm not able to do this. No is a complete sentence. So somebody asked you why, I don't have to to explain myself. I just, I can't do it right now. And it's for my own peace of mind and for my own sanity that I do do or do certain things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. I think you have to become a little bit selfish Oh, absolutely. Um, when you're grieving, <laughs> just because oh, sure. try, trying to handle your own emotions is like a full-time job oh, in itself. <laughs> yes. And that same goes to, you know, people say, well, you need to be strong for, you know, so-and-so. Uh, no, yeah. everybody has their own healing journey. So it's, mm. it's one thing to be compassionate and, and you want to be there as a support, but you also have to realize that you have your own path to this. And if you don't set those boundaries, like I said, all you're going to do is delay your own process or inhibit your own process of healing. Yeah. I had that so much. Like after my mum died, everyone was like, you need to like be there for your dad. You need to cook dinner for your dad and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, and I already had enough pressure on myself to be there exactly. for him because I've got to, I've got two older brothers, but they live quite far away. So mm-hmm. it was all kind of down to me. And I was just like, don't you dare tell me what I need to do. Right. <laughs> like, keep your right. to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people don't understand until they, they walk these shoes. And so mm. I know people mean well and, you know, they, they think that they're saying things from, you know, with good intention. But that's not yeah. always the truth, you know. And so we just got to take some things with a grain of salt and know that if you haven't been here, you really don't have the right to tell me what to do. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the good things about these grief communities is that if people stumble across them that haven't lost like a parent or a loved one or anybody significant in their lives, they are kind of like an educational platform as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of the things that I'm really grateful for in kind of my grief journey is being able to educate my friends a little bit on kind of what grief is like <laughs> and like what what to say and what not to say. Um, one of my friends the other day at lunch we were talking and we were talking about like somebody that had like lost somebody close to them and she said oh you know if my mum died I'd, I'd never be able to go back to work within like a few days or a few weeks and I was like I was like one you can't say that because it makes it sound like you would be more hurt at you losing your mum than this other person is that them losing their parent <laughs> and two like you would be amazed at how your brain functions after yep. you've suffered such a huge loss like that like it isn't like you have you that person dies and then you're at the depths of your grief and then it's all up from there nope. like that is not <laughs> the case like for me it hit me like a few months later and I was yeah. just like holy like shit yeah mom is dead <laughs> many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, you come to the weird realizations in in the most awkward moments. It's like, like, I think I was filling out some paperwork or something like that for school. And it's like, you know, list your your parents. And I was like, damn, I can't even Mm. say your name no more. You know, it's like, it's the Mm. weird moments like that. (laughs) It is, it is. I remember like a year after my mom had died and I'd I'd hit my head and I went to Mm A&E. And they they were like, okay, so we've got Joanne Hooker as your next of kin. And I was just like... Just completely break down. You know, it's the the little things that you just would not have thought would happen at all. It's chaos. Um, So, when you kind of like gave me some information prior to us recording, you'd mentioned some of like the healthy ways that you've found to process your grief and your feelings. And obviously, those things are so useful. And especially when you're like, you know, a few more years down the line than some other people, maybe I think being able to speak about them and give people. Um, tips is always super useful and um, especially with the platform that you've got as well which I'm looking forward to speaking about mm-hmm. but um talk to me about kind of you know the the healthy ways that you've found to process your grief and to kind of sit with it a little bit more for sure um so when I was institutionalized um that's when I was introduced to journaling and art therapy mm. um I did a little bit of it when my father passed you know I went to um, therapy for children. And so they did a lot of art therapy then, but that's kind of blur because it was almost 22 years ago. Um, but for my mom, I can remember that very vividly that, you know, we sat in a room and, and we were able to just kind of draw out our feelings because I know I am one of those persons where I just, I don't like to share too much. I also don't want to be a burden to people. So I don't want to like dump everything that I'm feeling. So nine (laughs) times out of 10, I just won't say anything, which is like Mm. terrible to do. Um, (laughs) Holding it inside. And so when I was institutionalized, that's when I was first introduced to, you know, for real genuine art therapy, as well as journaling. And so those two practices, practices together are the things that really helped me with processing my thoughts and feelings, not holding them inside. Um, I developed ulcers as a result of holding in so much pain. Um, Like it was literally eating away at my stomach and I couldn't understand what the pain was from. Go to the hospital. They tell me why. And they're like, are you stressed? And I'm like, that's an (laughs) understatement. (laughs) And so that's the result of it. Like literally when you stress too much um, and you don't have a healthy way to release it, your body will take over. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I say like you can't hold on to this thing. You've got to have a way to get it out. 
And so journaling um, and then also doing affirmations are another thing that I try to do back then and I do more now um, to just reprogramming your mind. Um, I call it having a mindset shift that even though where we are right now, we can begin to see ourselves in a different position. Even though we're using our natural eyes and we look around and there's so many problems and we, we're in this grief pain and we know we want more, but we can't seem to get out of it. Um, mm. Speaking affirmations is something that you can do to call forth the things that you really want. So saying things like, I am strong, I am courageous, I am a fighter, I am resilient. You know, even though you may not feel those things, as you say them in your subconscious mind, you are reprogramming yourself to begin to call forth those things that you want. Yes, and so I love that. Those are like the biggest tools that I advocate for. And mm. because of those tools, you know, I've put out some um, some free work um, that you can download and get a journal book. You can get a list of other affirmations that you can say. And then that's actually oh, the amazing. first book that I wrote. Um is, and it's because of this COVID-19 and everything that we're going through right now. I wanted to create something tangible to where people who are experiencing grief and loss, because over 185,000 people <laughs> are going through this right now. Yeah, um, yeah, I felt that it was important to just try to share something tangible that people could use. And so, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. So we, we've mentioned, you know, your own kind of the page that you've got, the platform that you've got. Um I want to hear kind of how that started and just, you know, cause that kind of like kind of going through your grief journey by yourself is one thing, but then sharing what you've learned and also making yourself vulnerable on an online page is something like this, you know, completely different. So how did you get to the point where you kind of set up this page and tell us about what your goal is with it and you know, what people can find on your platforms? Sure. Sure. Um, so like I said, my mother passed in 2007 and that's the year that I was, you know, quote unquote, declared an orphan. Well, in mm. 2017, um, which made 10 years, I had reached a point where I was like, OK, you know what? Her anniversary was coming around again. And I'm sure, as you know, when the calendar strikes, you know, their yeah. anniversary, it's like this level of anxiety just kind of mm. takes over. <laughs> those like weeks, those weeks beforehand, yeah. I'm just kind of like, count, like I'm already thinking about mine, which is um, like the start of November, but I'm just like, yeah. damn, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally the anxiety of it. And um, mm. I was with my mom when she passed. I just, I don't know. It was something in my spirit that told me, when the night was going to be. So I was there yeah. in the room. And so when the, when the calendar, you know, turned July of 20 of 2017, I, I, I felt the same anxiety as I have in years past start to come over me, but I began to tell myself that I was ready to do something different. I said, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through what I've been going through. I said that I'm ready to do something different. And so, like I said, being a believer, I just paused in my bathroom in my house and I said, okay, Lord, what, why, why did you do this? Like there had to be a reason that you allowed me to lose my parents at 21. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't put my name down on a list and volunteer. So <laughs> like, you got to help me out. You, you, this was for a reason, right? You know, why did you do this? And so he told me clearly, he said, I put you through this early enough so that you would be in the position to help others. I yes. wanted you to be healed and whole before you start mm. to help other people. Now, in 2017, I heard this differently. Um, like I said, I was my mother's caregiver and I took care of her. So I, you know, not wanting to share all of the story, meaning like the suicide and things, um, yeah. I wasn't ready to, to talk about that. And so when I heard the response, I heard, oh, well, you should educate people on how to be a caregiver and how to take care <laughs> of yourself and advocate for them. Mm. And so I went all in. I started a nonprofit, which I still have, which is Season of Hope, um, wow. which but is for caregivers. And it's, you know, about taking care of yourself. Like even though you are a caregiver, you're still a person and you should never lose yourself in the journey. I believe yeah. in that wholeheartedly. And so I took that and I ran with it. I started doing caregiver day out brunches and events and all That's kinds amazing. of stuff. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I really did. But, You're a woman of many talents. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but then, so when I got the opportunity with Super Bowl, that consumed my entire life. You know, it's mm -hmm. less, it's really less than a year to put on the game. And so, and I was the manager over the volunteers. So I had to manage about 10,000 people. 
So it was a lot. So that took away all of my time and I could not do any of my caregiver brunches like I had the year before. Super Bowl was over in February, you know, done with that opportunity because it was a contract and then COVID hits. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) well, looks like I'm not going to be doing any in-person events this year either. And so Mm. I just felt like I was hitting a brick wall and I was like, okay, I can't like seem to get through. Like I'm doing this because I enjoy event planning and that's what I do. And I want to help people because that's just genuinely in my heart, but something's not clicking. And so I kid you not, I started a new job in March of this year and then then COVID hits and then I got laid off in May. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I heard that story too many times, man. Like it's so shit. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So what am I gonna do? Because well, I, I work in sports, so sports has been mm. like all kind of tore up because of this. So mm. I wasn't working, and um, I'm not sure if you heard of this gentleman, but his name is Dr. Eric Thomas. He's a motivational speaker, and oh, okay. so. I've been following him for the years, love him, met him, all this kind of stuff. And I know that I have a story to tell with the things that I've been through. And so he was hosting a speaker's boot camp to be able to, you know, get your, um, to learn the tips and the tricks to become a better speaker, how to craft speeches and all that good stuff. And And I said, okay, well, let me go ahead and sign up for this. Um, I took a leap of faith, you know, I knew I didn't have a job, so not really in the position to pay for it, but I was ready to bet on myself. Yeah. And so I, I enrolled and it was, you know, a two day boot camp, a, a Saturday and Sunday, literally 10 minutes into the boot camp. Um, the speaker is saying that, you know, when you, when you want to become a speaker, you should speak on something that you know personally that you don't have to Google. And that mm-hmm. right there was a trigger for me because although I know about being a caregiver, there's a lot of things I don't know. You know, I'm in a lot of these Facebook groups for caregivers and they're talking about changing colostomy bags and all this. Mm. Stuff. I'm like, I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I do know is how to get through grief and loss, how yes. to overcome. And it was literally a light bulb switch. And I was like, you know what? I've been doing this wrong. God was telling me that he put me in the position to help others through parent loss. Yeah, literally. You know, that weekend in May was the light bulb that changed everything for me. And so I've just kind of been taking this opportunity, being laid off, to work in this purpose. Um, Yeah, amazing. I I feel like if I was working, because the job I was working for did basketball camps over the summer on college campuses, I wouldn't have time to do any of this because I would be managing all of these camps. And so. I've been coining this season as a COVID blessing because had that not happened, I wouldn't have been able to stop and to be able to do purpose work now. Oh my God, absolutely. (laughs) And so that's just kind of how it was. You know, before then, my followers, you know, a lot of friends and things, um, I had to prepare them and let them know that, you know, I am getting ready to transition. Most people Mm -hmm. know my story as far as, you know, friends and things. So most people know my story and they know that I've been able to have a prosperous career in the sports industry. So why not? Why why can I not be the one to help other people who think that life has just come to a complete halt because of your loss? No, it doesn't have to be. And I want to be able to show you that you can get through. And so that's just kind of how it all started. So I'm just riding the wave right now. (laughs) I mean, I absolutely love that. And I think like, you know, this whole situation with COVID and stuff has actually been such a blessing for so many people Yeah. um, in a way that they can, they've been able to find their purpose, which I think is what we're all here for (laughs) really end of the day. We've got one thing we were called to do. And so you got to go all in. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And, you know, that's actually like, it's kind of inspiring for me as well, because obviously, you know, grief is what I know, kind of inside and out. And it's always been something that I've wanted to pursue kind of in the UK and like, you know, just be the kind of go-to person that people can kind of bring to events and stuff to speak about the important shit, which is what happens after somebody dies because everybody's going to go through it. Yeah, one way or another. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, why the hell are we not more prepared for it? Like... And that's the sad part. It's like, it's inevitable. Like, it's this one Mm. sure thing. There's there's not many sure things in this world. This is one of them. And so you Mm. should definitely, you know, 
have a mind for it. Um, and of course, you know, you can be prepared. You know, I, I would like to say that I was prepared to a certain extent to lose my mom. And, you know, I watched the decline in health. I like I even knew the night before, but it's still nothing yeah. you know, until that moment. You know, even the moment is still painful. It's like, OK, I've been thinking yeah. and I know it and I know it's coming. But when it hits you, you know, it's still another level. That it's it like a trick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to change so much after something like that happens, and I feel like it's just such a it's such a scary thing. But also, I feel like those of us that have experienced, you know, those levels of grief, I feel like we've grown so much. And okay. you know, even me, you know, it's been less than five years for me, but I just feel like it's just given me the opportunity to just be like so much more empathetic and just be just a better person. Yeah, which I am so we thankful all for. called to serve. Um, a specific group of people, you know, there mm. are athletes who entertain, there are chefs who cook, you know, there's hairstylists who make you look beautiful. And then there's people yeah. who want to help people get through tough times. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I've just got two more questions for you. Um, one of them is what is the biggest lesson that you've learned like along your grief journey? Um, the biggest lesson is time. Time is precious. Um, and this is kind of one of the things that I am having to work through. And, you know, I've, I've gone back to therapy, so I'm back in therapy. And I'm sure this is something we'll eventually talk about. Um, but I know that time is precious. And I know that, you know, it's the one thing you can't get back. And I'm 34 now. And my father passed away at 38. And so I, I kind of every now and then I'll think about that. And I'm like, OK, well, I only got four years until his date and it's, or his age. And it's like, am I going to make it? Am I going to survive? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of those what ifs. Like, is that my destiny? I don't know. And then my mom was 44 when she passed. I was like, okay, so I've got, so even if I make it past four, then, you know, I really only got 10 years, you know, so am I, am I going to live to 45? Like, am I actually going to be the one to, you know, surpass them? Um, but it, it charges me to not wait and to yeah. do the things that I can do now instead of putting them off. Um, yeah. And obviously I, I want to be hopeful and, and optimistic that you know, I'm going to live a, a fruitful and prosperous life and going to go on and see my grandchildren and great grandchildren and all that good stuff. But you can't help but wonder, you know, especially when I know, gosh, he was 38, you know, when I was 12, yeah. 38 seemed so far away. But now <laughs> I'm four years away and it's like, oh, my gosh. It's so scary. Um, yeah. <laughs> so all in all, like I said, it just it, it allows me to do things. And, you know, the Drake song with YOLO, you only live once. It's like, yeah, so you true. Know, I, I, you, you will not believe how many people have said that on this podcast, honestly. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So when I get a call from my sister, she's like, Hey, you want to meet me in the Bahamas this weekend? Sure. Hell why yeah. Not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, it just makes you do stuff like that. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I think that's amazing. Like you did, you did say, you know, that losing your parents has taught you not to wait on anything in life. Um, and I think that is such a, a, such a precious thing to take away from it. For sure. Yeah. Oh. Um, my final question to you, actually, but before I ask that, is there anything else that you would like to talk about in this podcast before I ask that? Um, no, the biggest thing is that, you know, to all of your listeners, if you're going through this grief journey, definitely know that you are not alone. Um, mm. I would definitely want to be with you and, and to hold your hand so you can follow me on my social media, which is Kanisha Nichelle. Um, and then, like I said, I have free resources. And the biggest one is I will live again. That was the affirmation that I declared over myself that in spite of what I'm going through, in spite of not having my parents, that I will be able to live again even after this loss. Yeah. So at IWillLiveAgain.com. And not just live, but live an amazing life. Oh, sure, for sure. You can, like, we're, we're meant to live an abundant life. We can't yeah. see it, you know, when we're going through it. But when our hearts are in the position to be able to receive the answer, then that's when it will be revealed. Because I know a lot of us will be like, why me? Why did this have to happen? Why did, th why did God have to take my loved one? Why, 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 why? And you're not going to get that answer until you're in a position to be able to receive it. Um, and there are all various different reasons. You know, it could be, you know, just, just anything. And I know that mine 
was because I've always had the gift of speaking and talking and just always had a heart for wanting to help people that it had to happen so that I could help other people. So it really wasn't for me. It was for other Mm -hmm. people. We call that the gift of the gap. I don't know if you've heard that before. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that must definitely be what you have. That I, I got A's and B's, but then I got a D in conduct because I talk too much. So <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you've basically kind of answered my final question, but I will ask you anyway, just in case. But um, the last one is the question I asked it. everybody that comes onto the, this podcast is, um, what would you say to other people who are feeling the same way that you did when you were like in the depths of your grief and, you know, really struggling kind of their light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, I would definitely say that for one, um, make sure you have a strong circle. You, you, you cannot do this by yourself. It's, it's not possible. Um, and that's even if it's just a friend, a family member, um, if you are in grief counseling or you have a therapist, um, all of those are good outlets. But you definitely need to have a support system that you can tell somebody, hey, look, um, today is not a good day. And that way, somebody else on the other side knows how you're feeling, knows what you're going through and can be there to support you and mm-hmm. to check on you. Um, I would never want someone to be in a position where they're having these suicidal thoughts and then no one knows about it. And then they're left by themselves. And so I definitely think that you should have a strong support system um, in the beginning. And then two, you definitely have to be an active participant in your healing. Now, you're not going to wake up and say, um, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, you know, one week, you know, one month afterwards. Um, I definitely think that you have to go through the the year of the first. Mm. Um, Got to experience all of that, the holidays, the angel anniversaries, your birthday, their birthday, you know, all of those milestone dates, you know, you definitely need to get through all of those before you turn the corner. Um, But you have to be an active participant. You know, I'm in a lot of these grief groups and, you know, I, I understand that people want the camaraderie of knowing that other people are experiencing what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. but you also have to turn the corner to know that what you're feeling isn't normal and that you're ready to experience something else. Yeah. And once you are ready, that you have to be an active participant in that healing. So that's going to support group meetings, um, you know, journaling, getting into therapy, relocating. I mean, the, it, it, it was that serious <laughs> for me, you know, um, mm. in Kentucky, it is dark and gloomy, especially during the winter months, you know, the sun rarely shines. And so there's a thing that's called seasonal depression and it would be yes. <laughs> dark and the sun would never shine. And, and it was just miserable. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And so mm. I, my healing came from me literally packing up and moving. And so, yeah. you know, it may not be that extreme for whoever's listening, but to know that it can be like that, because I knew that if I stayed, I wasn't going to get better. But that's because I was active and I knew this and I had to do something about it. So you have yeah. to be an active participant in your healing journey. No, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I'm such a huge advocate for that, for like, you know, intentional healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that we have to take with us is just a huge gift is being able to get to know ourselves better and find out what it is that makes us feel better mm. and what it is that makes us feel bad. And I think you don't always get the opportunity to get to know yourself on that level. And I think, you know, there aren't many gifts that come with grief, but the few of them that there are, I think, you know, they're incredibly just like life-changing. So yeah, I could not agree more with what you've just said there. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so before we go, what are your kind of social media channels i know you're on instagram if you want to kind of give out the handles for that and um, i don't know if you're on any other um, social media channels but feel free to share them here as well yeah um so instagram is kenesha nichelle um nichelle um with an n as in nancy and i see h-e-l-l-e um i'm most active there i'm also on facebook too um kenesha nichelle for that page and then my website is kenishanichelle.com um, also too, if you are on Instagram every Tuesday at 12 o'clock, I do a live stream show, um, two for Tuesdays, grief and motivation talk. 
So this is my opportunity to connect with other people. And we just talk about, um, I give an inspirational moment from my prayers of healing and strength book. And then I give two points on getting through the grief process and everyday life. So at 12 o'clock noon, you can certainly join me there. Oh, I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Um, I will put all of those in the show notes as well, guys. Those of you that are listening and want to head there, um, just you can quickly follow those links and follow Kanisha and see everything you know that she's doing. Um, I am so grateful for you to, um, coming on to the show. And honestly, I think it's incredible that you kind of, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but kind of got a second chance at life. Um. And I think the things that you're kind of going to do with it are just going to be incredible and you're going to help so many people. So yeah, I think, you know, you're amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Kat. I appreciate that. This has been an honor and a pleasure as always. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.